Spice girl, ziggy ziggy, I fuck up my whole world. Pause when she talk, nothing like old girl. Scary and sporty. Tell her what I want, what I really, really want is a spice girl. Each and every month, we bring you a new episode of Impact the Podcast. The topics we cover aren't random. They were selected with intention by our podcast collaborators, Venture Cafe Philadelphia. This month is a pivotal month. We just celebrated Juneteenth 2020 and are looking forward to the celebration of the 4th of July. Being in the greater Philadelphia region means that we're physically situated near the birthplace of the United States. The Liberty Bell, it's practically down the street. And the power in that fact has impact. Keep that in mind as you hear from this episode's guest, Jamila Medley of the Greater Philadelphia Area Cooperative and Aaron Cabello of the restaurant delivery service, Black and Mobile. As always, we want to thank you for listening and ask you to subscribe to Impact, a Mom Your Business podcast, where we cover business and economics in the Greater Philadelphia Area. Enjoy. Welcome to Impact, the podcast, sponsored by the universe, powered by Venture Cafe Philadelphia. Um, So I'm your host, Tanya T. Morris. And today, like every episode that we do, uh, we are going to uh, kick this off with the little beverage. And so today, uh, for those of you that weren't here last time, you know, Neff made this proclamation that she was going to try to outdo me last time because I had this great local beer. So today I am deep drinking because we're buying local because we want to support our local businesses. Today I have deep blueberry C S E A. (laughs) And this is proudly brewed in Philadelphia. And it's a, it's a hard cider, Sir Charles, uh, hard cider. So I don't know what Charles they were talking about, but I got it because I thought about Charles Barkley because he's one of my favorite basketball players. So that's what I'm drinking today. So, Neff, what are you drinking today? I'll let you down again. This is called, like, <laughs> Linen Cools. <laughs> I'm supporting a local business in where I purchased it. But this is, like, brewed in... Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> so I'm I'm doing a shout out. Anybody that can school me and upskill me on my brew game, please reach out. Uh, but I am going to try it. Uh, it's a summer shandy. It's supposed to be like lemonade. We'll see. We'll see what that looks like. So Miriam, Tierra, did you all join in on the fun? <laughs> Miriam says no. Tierra, I did. I joined the fun. Yes. So. <laughs> So this is what this is what I did to join in. I went downstairs into the refrigerator. I found this great beer from Oktoberfest 2019. Aha! Good year. Good year. I like it. Weinstefaner Fest beer. And uh, I suppose it's from, uh, let's see, where is it from? I don't want to suppose. It's Germany. (laughs) And... um, yeah, so this came from a, a party we had around Oktoberfest last year. I'm typically not a beer drinker, but I'm going to open this one for you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Terry. We really, really appreciate that. Oh, we and I will you. say I had Philadelphia's finest. <laughs> <laughs> School kill punch. Is that what you're drinking, man? School kill punch. <laughs> School kill punch. And... Uh, 
Okay. Well, since I got my BGV sisters in the room today, I got to play a little bit of our theme music just for a few minutes. Uh, hopefully, uh, Aaron will be locked in by that time, and uh, we'll be ready to go. I need a spice girl. Ziggy, ziggy, I fuck up my whole world. Pause when she talk nothing like old girl. Scary and smart. Tell her what I want, what I really, really want is a spice girl. For those of you that don't know, that is the BGV official BGV Philly theme music. And so uh, so that's where we are. We're going to have some fun, and I'm excited. Um, so, Nefu, we have it on the show today. We have Jamila Medley, who we will introduce formally uh, when we get rolling with the interview session. What we really want to discuss today is how... COVID-19, the pandemic, has impacted business in the greater Philadelphia area and how in kind individuals like Jamila and Aaron, who will get on the line, are countering with their own methods and uh, tactics for disruption. Aaron, who will come on the line, is a co-owner of Black and Mobile, which is delivering culture to the community through delivering Black-owned restaurants food. Uh, and Jamila is working with the uh, Greater Philadelphia Area Cooperative, which is a, a really interesting business model that looks at uh, how businesses could work in a cooperative, almost flat organization in terms of power and decision making. So, Tierra, I know you're on the line too, one of the chapter members from Black Girl Ventures, Miriam. Thank you for joining us. Um, these lovely ladies support us in a lot of different areas and we wanted to invite them on the show today to really have a discussion around what we're doing and how our future uh, actions can support what they're doing with cooperative business and what businesses like Black and Mobile are doing as well. Miriam, do you wanna introduce yourself and a little bit about your background? Thanks for the opportunity. My, my name is Marion Dosu. Um, I am the owner of Cake Me Cakes. I, uh, my company specializes in a cake you can make in the microwave in 90 seconds. Um, so it's super fun. Uh, a little bit more of my background is that I'm Philadelphia born and raised, West Philadelphia born and raised, I should say. Um, I attended all Philly public schools. I went on to Penn State, um, joined Teach for America, um, got my master's in education from UPenn. Um, and then, you know, start to pursue the entrepreneurial life. Um, so I'm excited just to hear and chime in to the discussion when available. Tiara, before we kick off, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and share as well? Absolutely. Um, thank you guys for having me on. Um, but I'm always happy to support you. Uh, my name is Tiara Durham, and uh, I am a change agent in the Black Girl Ventures Philadelphia group. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> uh, but I am um, a business consultant. Uh, I'm focused on business strategy and commercialization uh, strategy. I have been in the pharmaceutical industry for over 15 years um, in the marketing and strategy space and um, recently transitioned into my business consulting business um, I work with a variety of clients um, that are inside the healthcare industry as well as outside of healthcare. I actually 
um, I'm working with a nonprofit. I'm working with um, someone in the entertainment business. Uh, so going into my own business at this point has been quite an adventure. I've learned a lot. Um, and um, I'm happy to be here. Well, we want to make sure that everybody's making themselves at home. This is a casual conversation. If you have any questions along the way, use the uh, little emojis and the signals, and, and we'll make sure that we get you as, uh, to be a part of the conversation. So this month's focus is on disruption. By definition, disruption is a disturbance or problems which interrupt an event, activity, or a process. Today, we have two great guests for you that are disrupting the status quo. One of their business models, one through their business models and another through their business mission. So Jamila, I want to go to you first. I've been uh, pinging you for some time now. Jamila is passionate. She's an advocate and an educator for the advancement and growth of the cooperative economy. In her work with existing businesses and startup cooperatives, she provides support for leadership development, cooperative economics education, navigating group dynamics, and creating adaptive systems to support group process and learning. Jamila, welcome to IMPACT. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we're finally able to do this. Absolutely. And I missed the memo about bringing my beer. I got a Yards Brewery Pink, right? Oh. Local from here in Philly in my That's refrigerator. I didn't know ready. <laughs> well, we, we'll put points on the board for you. You get points for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Philadelphia, Philadelphia has a rich history in cooperative economic success stories. How does the Alliance uplift the community? Yeah, so I work with, I uh, have the great, great um, honor to both uh, be a, a founding board member and now currently executive director with the Philadelphia Area Cooperative Alliance um, based here in Philadelphia. And our mission is to uplift um, folks in the Philadelphia region by supporting and growing um, the cooperative economy um, through supporting co-op businesses, but also other kinds of businesses that might be democratically organized in, in how they practice their values, so to speak. And, you know, over the years, we, we kind of like the inkling for forming our organization um, emerged in 2011. And over the years, it has become um, more and more apparent to us, and I think um, it's, it's true as we think about what the co-op business model is, is that the folks at the co-op business model um, has the greatest opportunity to benefit our, our most marginalized communities. So we're thinking about working class um, and poor black and brown folks, as well as immigrant and refugee communities, um, and, and, you know, so our efforts and all of our, 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 our goals is really to be able to share this message about cooperative economic practices, which all of our communities, every human being around the world cooperates. That's how we survive. Um, and, and we can go into our cultures and in our communities of origins and find many ways in which those practices have existed for centuries, if millennia, and even now. And so our efforts are really about uplifting those traditions and supporting people and articulating and creating vision for how to um, move those practices and values into a cooperative um, business structure um, so that people are owning their labor if they're choosing to have a community-owned, for example, grocery store. It is their grocery store. You're not waiting for somebody to come and give you a grocery store. You can create it for yourself. 
Um, if you have a business idea, and a lot of our folks, we think about um, formerly incarcerated folks, um, a lot of like, again, um, folks that might traditionally be locked out of the mainstream economy because they got bad credit, not enough money, um, you know, whatever these barriers are in our communities, the opportunity to work with other people to create and realize your entrepreneurial dream is a possibility when we think about how to use the co-op business model. And so that's a lot of the work that we're doing in terms of providing education and training, but also business support um, for folks who are launching and operating co-op businesses and advocacy so that more people, elected officials and other influencers have the opportunity to learn about the co-op business model as well. So that sounds like the right way. <laughs> it sounds like the right way to do business. When you say own your own labor, can you elaborate? Yeah. Um, most of us work for somebody else, <laughs> right? Um, and so when we think about the co-op business model, there's two pieces of it. That it, um, The first is an association of people. So there's a grouping of people, usually three or more, um, who have a shared idea, a shared need or want, and they're going to decide that they want to democratically own and govern an enterprise in order to meet that need or want, right? So we have this association of people that are determining that they will be um, owners of a business together and will operate that business based on democratic and um, equitable and, and equal process. And so it's like a regular business, but this distinction about the power of the group of people being able to decide together where there's equality amongst the group of people. So, for example, um, in um, Philadelphia, there are worker co-ops and, and all across the country there are worker co-ops. So an example could be a group of women who um, have provided child care for example, right? And each of them might be doing something in their home, um, but they're spending money separately, <laughs> right? To buy supplies and to, to pay for licensing and registration about things. And they're doing all of this work independently. The opportunity in the co-op business model is to imagine that we could come together to um, potentially mitigate and lower costs for the entry and operation into the business model and then together enrich ourselves and our communities by sharing both the risk and the reward of business ownership. And so in that sense, you know, if you were working in a daycare, you could go from being a daycare worker, right, and being someone's employee to owning your own business and doing it successfully with other people. It's always great when you can um, get sleep money or have uh, your money earn money for you. In the environment that we're in now, it doesn't seem to me like um, there are enough voices that are speaking to that shared cooperative model that you're describing. Can you help us understand financially what some of the advocacy your organization is doing with the city in terms of funding and access to funding? Yeah, so 
You know, the funding con- con- is sometimes a conundrum. I mean, for almost any startup business, trying to get money <laughs> is, is a challenge, um, particularly for um, black and brown folks and for folks who are um, who don't already have assets or wealth or connections to other people who can provide that and invest in their businesses through their, you know, on, on relationship. Um, so one of the things with co-ops is that we have to work to educate funders about the model because overwhelmingly in mainstream, um, fund, from mainstream funders, they're not familiar with um, how these businesses operate. Um, and then the other piece of it is having to have patient capital. So one of the challenges that exists is that, you know, everybody wants their money back right away. Um, and it takes time to grow a business. It takes time to educate people. It takes time to market and, and get out there. And so mainstream funders are often grappling with how to support co-op businesses. So a lot of co-ops, um, you know, have organized their own funding pools. So, for example, um, PACA, my organization, participates in the Seed Commons, which is a national network of uh, co-op development sort of organizations that are supporting um, primarily um, black and brown-led cooperatives in accessing non-extractive capital to fund their businesses. Mm. And some of the, the core tenets of this is about our relationships to the co-op. And our willingness as funders to invest not just the money, but our time and our expertise to ensure that those businesses can be successful. So PACA, as a lender, has the, also the responsibility to make sure that the business owners, um, the co- the, the, for, our, for example, our, um, we have a loan out with um, Bonfire Media Cooperative, and we provide technical assistance to them, to make sure that they can pay back their loans. And so we're really trying to make sure that we're, we're there with them as a partner um, to support their entire enterprise and building the relationship so that there is trust and understanding. And then, um, you know, not expecting them to pay back money until they're profitable, right? Because then if you pay back a loan and you don't really have the money, how are you going to succeed? How are you going to get out of that hole? So really trying to imagine how do we work with, um, with our ecosystem of existing funders and potential new funders to, to both imagine, you know, what are ways to be flexible, right, and, and to imagine new opportunities to invest in a different kind of model, but also thinking about how do we remove some of the harmful barriers um, to entrepreneurship that um, that funders oftentimes impose upon entrepreneurs. That's that's an excellent point that you're making, uh, Jamila. I'm a big fan of the cooperative model. I remember when Mariposa opened um, over on Baltimore mm-hmm. Avenue. And so when you talk about funding and re-educating your, your funders, um, how do you go about doing that? How does that conversation, how do you have that conversation with them um, as far as, you know, the, especially when it comes to black and brown communities and investing in them. Mm-hmm. How, how is that conversation? Yeah, so some of the things that um, we have been doing, so for example, um, the city of Philadelphia has been providing funding for co-op development 
work uh, over the last two years. And that funding has been channeled through uh, PACA. And one of the ways that we move the needle on this conversation around funding is through um, relationship building in the Commerce Department. And so the city also participated in a, um, a, a year-long fellowship program called the Shared um, Equity and Economic Development Fellowship with three other municipalities in the city so that they could learn more about the opportunity, about the, um, about the model, and then also begin to understand what our local ecosystems need, right, um, in order to support co-ops in being created and sustained in the city. Yeah. So some of that has resulted in, you know, the opening up of, um, you know, for example, the Commerce Department now um, invites us and other car developers into the Business Technical Assistance Program, right, so that we are helping to foster connections um, with other business services providers that can also benefit our co-ops, including funders. The Commerce Department is lending um, to co-ops now as well because they started to learn about the model. And so, again, to that point around patience and education, that when we um, find partners that are willing to do that, and, and, and increasingly we're finding that our local CDCs and CDFIs are also beginning to enter the conversation more strategically around how to think about embedding this model, um, both for um, you know, one-off business um, creation, but also the idea of community ownership. Yeah, I think that's really important that that the cooperative model is looked at differently, right? Because when you begin to look at it from the standpoint of a business and being an active contributor to the community, it changes the conversation of what it brings to the table. That's right. So we want to welcome Aaron Cabello to the show. He's uh, navigated all things Zoom uh, to join <laughs> <laughs> to join us. And so Aaron is the uh, co-founder, one of the co-founders for Black and Mobile. Uh, Black and Mobile is the first Black-owned delivery service that exclusively partners with Black-owned restaurants that give them exposure and customers. Uh, he was founded by his brother, David, and um in 2017, they began to really lay the foundation for Black and Mobile, and they officially launched in their services in February of 2019 uh, during Black History Month. So, Aaron, welcome. Thank you for joining us. How you guys doing? Sorry for the delays. I was uh, a little confused on how to get into the call. That's okay. I'm glad, we're, glad you, we're glad you made it. So, this was a question actually for you and Jamila. We've actually started having you know a conversation with her, but I want to ask you, um, your organization is really designed to uplift the community. Um, can you really share with us your mission and the vision for Black and Mobile going forward? So, I mean, Black and Mobile, honestly, you know, when we started, it was just me and my brother on bikes running the entire city of Philadelphia by ourselves. But our mission really was to help Black-owned businesses and people to be able to locate these Black-owned businesses. That way, there was no excuse to support. You know, you can't support the businesses if you don't know where they are. So we made it easy for them to find them, locate them. And, you know, we've had a lot of success with with the company so far because a lot of people believe in the vision. Of course, you know, we, we've been going hard at this for a long time. You know, in the cold, the snow, the ice, everything. And now it's like um, we have a new app system coming and we will be able to compete with the other companies and 
even the other companies like Uber Eats, GoPub, they're all kind of watching us in a way. Like you know, they're trying to mimic and do the things that we're doing because they realize the black dollar is very powerful. Definitely at a time right now, they just they're, they're all in. They're trying to do whatever they can to get you know get their hands on some money. So it's really about the economics. That's our mission, the main mission. Um, and just the like. That sense of community. It's a food community, you know, like just to build that sense of community. Um, you know, we're very excited for the growth. And, you know, we're, we got a lot of changes and a lot of updates coming. So everyone just stay posted. And um, you know, that's that's really it. I mean, yeah, we, we read you. I read we read the story in Technically Philly yesterday um, with Jump Jump Button talking about the app that was con- that was coming. And I know me and David talked about that um, months ago when when we first uh, were both in thirty six for thirty six seventy five. And so I'm glad to hear that that's coming. So I do want to ask when you you said you know you guys have a lot of things coming digitally. Um, what opportunities do you think exist for Black and Mobile uh, to create some collaborations and some par- partnerships going forward? So, I mean, um, right now we also have a new uh, system we're developing, which is called Find Black Jobs. So we'll be able to, based on uh, restaurants and other businesses, we'll be able to you know, have a link with our platform and people will be able to apply to their jobs because we've noticed, like partnering with a lot of restaurants, they're short staffs because we only get a percentage of the orders these other restaurants, you know, they have other services they're using. They're getting a lot of walking orders, so they're getting triple the amount of orders. So it's making, it's kind of delaying our service a little bit. So we're trying to help them find more quality people because they've been having a really difficult time finding quality people who actually want to work and get the job done. So that's one of the opportunities we have. We also, you know, we are looking for um, people to join our team from dispatching, from drivers to just management, um, you know, connecting with business owners. Um, hiring drivers. So we have a lot of different opportunities with our business, you know, to help us grow. And um, we, we don't plan to just stick with food. You know, we really plan to branch out to other markets from clothing, cosmetics, just anything black owned and deliver, uh, to deliver all the goods. So that's, you know, that's the main focus with that. Aaron, I remember when Tanya first mentioned black and mobile to me and I hadn't heard it. I'm Nefertiri, by the way. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, but I, I remember when she first started talking about what you all were doing, I'm like, that's that's interesting. It sounds amazing. And this is this is prior to COVID. Um, it's prior to the situation where there's so much focus on uh, on supporting the black community, on providing opportunity and access. And you really have created uh, a sweet spot or you, you found a sweet spot for yourself. There's the breadth in what you're talking about and, and ordering, or excuse me, delivering different goods. But then there's the depth, mm-hmm. like from the door that you deliver to down and back into the ingredients. Is that a conversation that you have had about getting all the way back to black farmers possibly? So honestly, I've done um, myself, cause I, you know, I was talking to David, like, you know, we should look into farming goods and stuff like that. So I actually located some farms in like different cities um, most of them seem like they were down south, but that's definitely something we're interested in. That we just require require a fleet of truck drivers, mm-hmm. you know, and a system to allow, you know, make sure the goods are there on time. So I've definitely, personally, myself looked into stuff like that. But we're trying to get in all markets of just delivering goods to the, you know, to the customer's door. That's really what we're trying to get. Um, we're focused. And so, on that. so Jamila, when you hear this in the space that you're in. You're hearing what Aaron is saying. What's going through your mind? 
Yeah, I'm thinking about Philadelphia's robust black and brown led urban farming community. Um, the number of, um, you know, farm stands um, that are providing food to grocery stores and restaurants throughout the city. And I'm like, let's connect because I want you to be who those. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to meet those folks, um, you know, because there's a lot of opportunity in our food system to create and structure these partnerships um, and opportunities to to create new models for how we're doing business to support the black community. So I'm like, let's, I need, yeah, let's talk <laughs> so that yeah. you can figure out who those people are and what, what they got growing this summer. I want to give you my email so you can send them more information because I was looking up, yeah. not that many farms, too many farms, and I probably didn't see the, um, you know, search yeah. the right thing, but um, that's very interesting. And that's uh, definitely a market yeah. that we want to get into. So Jamila, one yeah. thing came to my mind immediately when um, when Aaron started talking about that, and I'm going to put a link um, in the chat was soil generation. They were the first ones yes. that came that came yes. to mind. Um, I had an opportunity to um, work with trying to help them get some uh, funding a couple years ago, and so I put the link in in the uh, chat. Could you talk a little bit about soil generation as being one of those potential relationships that? that Black and Mobile might be able to tap into? Absolutely. Um, so Soil Generation is a, is a coalition um, of Black-led farms um, uh, throughout the city of Philadelphia um, and other kinds of artisans mostly involved in the food space. Um, PACA started engaging with Soil Generation probably in 2016 when they had an idea around wanting to create a cooperative. And we've worked with a several, we've worked with Urban Tree Connection, we've worked with urban creators um, and, and some others throughout the city to really start to imagine like how to use the co-op model to help, um, you know, eliminate duplicity in their system. So for example, all of these farms have administrative needs. And one of the uh, projects that Soil Generation has worked on is trying to figure out how do we share administrative overhead? Um, and is there a co-op model that can be used to help with bookkeeping, to help with um, HR services, and uh, to help with um, you know, ordering supplies and distribution of materials, um, but also marketing the farms and their goods as well together. So I think there's a lot of opportunity um, you know, we are, I'm, I'm anxious next week to talk to Bartram's Garden um, that has Sankofa Farm on, um, on their space. And so this, this connection between food, the opportunity for food, you know, the, the struggle and the fight towards um, food sovereignty and land sovereignty in the city are all connected. And when our black businesses are able to, to be in connection with that effort, like our system gets stronger and the opportunity to, to expand how we're supporting the entire food system so that we're, you know, to the, the, the work that the National Black Food and Justice Alliance is doing is really talking about how do we create self-determining food economies across the nation, right? So what does that look like when we are coordinated across the food system wow. and getting food and other goods to our people? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's heavy. That's heavy. I had a question. Um, so the farms in Philadelphia, these are Black-owned farmers? A lot of these farms are connected to nonprofits. Some of them are guerrilla farms. So, you know, the land doesn't belong to, our, to us overwhelmingly. And it's one of the, um, 
the things that people are, are, are advocating for the city to relinquish the land and let the people have it because the city yes. owns much of this land. Yes. Um, a lot of them are also in partnership with nonprofits um, that are, you know, somewhat hosting them on the land. Um, so this is why there's a struggle, really, when we talk about land sovereignty is for us to be able to own the land that we are growing on as well. Yeah, that's why, because when I did my uh, search, I only searched up Black-owned farming, and, you know, only certain places came up, and really too much in this area yeah. didn't come up, but that's why. But, um, you know, whatever we can do to get our hands on more land and more far, uh, farmer ownership, that's definitely key, like, that's, that's key. Well, now's the time. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, now's the time. I don't know if we'll get that 40 acre in the mule, but we ought to try. We're going to get it. Yeah, we we <laughs> coming. We coming. <laughs> so it's interesting because I have some, uh, actually two people on the line, uh, Tierra and Miriam. Tierra is from South Carolina. So that whole small black farm in the South. That's your connect right there. And, and Miriam, she's a part of like a community kitchen in the city. You also have that. A lot of cloud kitchens or ghost kitchens are popping up across America. And there's just so much. And Jamila's right. It's about the relationship. Mm -hmm. I hear the two of you all saying, we got to talk. You're here mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Listen and yeah. be heard. That's, <laughs> what, that's be what we're heard. here for. That's what I'm, we're here I'm for. putting my email address in the, in the chat right now. And so, Mary, when you when you hear this conversation as a as a baker, um, what what jumps out to you as far as opportunities and um, and the craft that 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 you work in the space that you work in? I love the um, collaboration, the synergy that's already happening right there. Um, and Neff did like brief me. Um, and sometimes, you know, you're a member of certain things and you don't think about the bigger picture all the time. So I'm a member of the Enterprise Center's Culinary Kitchen at 48th and Spruce. Um, and there's, um, I mean, everyone in there is not black or brown, but it's a large population of black and brown entrepreneurs building their food businesses um, from caterers to products like myself. Um, and, you know, kind of like figuring out a way to collaborate within that space. Um, specifically with Aaron, it's been um, for black and mobile, I guess, um, it's normally easier, I would say, or maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, um, to collaborate with a brick and mortar um, store or restaurant. Um, however, out of the commercial kitchen, everyone rents from the commercial kitchen because they do not have their own brick and mortar store. Um, so there's that potential to maybe set something up there and that relationship of supporting those starting their business who need the access to the marketing and the um, different consumers. However, they don't have a, um, a, a face, a storefront. Thank you. Oh, yeah, um, and then for Jamila, um, is it Jamila or Jamila? <laughs> Jamila. Yeah, okay. Um, and um, I guess even just talking about sourcing and we've tried it at the kitchen before of like buying certain like flour, all of us are going to use flour, all of us are going to use sugar in bulk and going that route and figuring out um, what that looks like. Um, but there's so many logistical things that need to be worked out to um, determine how to make that stronger. But those are kind of my initial thoughts. So I'll start. Um, so from like a commercial ki uh, kitchen standpoint, we have one uh, partnership that we have that they, they're out of a commercial kitchen. Um, they're, they're making smaller like desserts. So it's not like a, 
a high demand yet. Um, but you know, from someone who's making food like uh, cuisines and stuff like that, we're you know we definitely are open to that. We just um, you know they have to make sure you know the food's on time and um, you know, just things are in order. But we're not you know we're definitely open to that. And even we had um, discussed housing businesses like people who can't afford it like they're out of their homes. But it's a safety um, has you know to just send people to their homes. So we have to kind of wait on that. But that's um, good. That's good. yeah, from but from the commercial kitchen standpoint, yeah, we definitely we have one right now. We had a few more, but you know we still have to um, you know rekindle and. Uh, fix some relationships, but um, yeah, we're definitely open to um to that to that avenue. Right. Yeah, and your point, Marion, you are already doing it. You're already cooperating because that's what we need to do to survive and to be successful together um, and independently. Um, I think the the gap that often exists though is that in those informal opportunities to do it. I'm, I'm curious to know, like, who, you know, who is doing it and has succeeded that you could be reaching out to to learn more about how do you build out the logistics and the infrastructure to support a project like that, right? And so, like, it's one of the reasons why I, I think many of the many times when people come to PACA, they've already started doing the thing, and they then they realize that they've run into, like, a glitch somehow, and usually it is because they're doing it on their own and, um, and it's necessary to be done, but they don't have the technical support that they need to, to build in those efficiencies and to help rub out whatever those kinks are in addition to process, right? Because also you're having to make decisions together with people suddenly that you don't usually make decisions with, right? So how do you, how do you bring a value proposition in, in, a, in, a, in a sense of values to guide how you're going to decide things together even? Because that then often brings in dynamics around conflict and competition with people, right? So unless like there are guiding principles and alignment around these things, which is what I think the cooperative model often has to offer that distinguishes it from traditional business model, but also kind of like lifted up out of the informality of the structure really is a, there's a lot of guidance and tools available to support that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So there's so much to unpack in this conversation. I can, I can see myself listening to this episode multiple times. One of the examples you gave earlier, Jamila, was about uh, childcare and women being able to come together. I think that's really important to be able to do something that your family can be present for while you work, specifically your children. So if we look at that depth of disruption, where's the opportunity for school-age students to learn aquaponics and hydroponics that are part of that urban farming movement? Yeah, this is one of the things that we've been trying to, to get at. Um, uh, one of the, the urban farms that we've we've done work with, um, Urban Tree Connection, we've often tried to, a, a couple of times, we've um, had these conversations about uh, youth education, right? Because they already do a lot of youth education in terms of like bringing, and, and a lot of the urban farms are doing education work, right? To help educate community members, but in a lot of instances, the youth around um, agriculture, and the different opportunities, both professionally in it, as well as like sustaining our communities, right? Um, and so the real 
crux of it often comes back to advocacy, education, and funding, right? So who are the people who are supporting these kinds of projects that we're learning to talk to about the role of collaboration, the role of community ownership, and not just stewardship, but that we get to own these things, and that there's an educational process. You know, since this COVID pandemic has happened, I can't tell you, like, all of a sudden, everybody understands what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? Because it's an emergency and it's a crisis and people are leaning on each other because the government and our institutions are not coming to our rescue. Mm -hmm. And then the institutions are opening their eyes to recognize the ways that they have not handled equity and equality issues properly, particularly around race. Mm -hmm. and, um, and now they're connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. And so they're coming to us now saying, like, how can we use this model? How can we get more education out? How can we talk to our people about this? Because this seems to be the linchpin about how we get to survive and thrive versus recreating this vicious cycle of dependency over and over again. Wow. <laughs> oh, I see your head shaking. Wow. Down. That's, all. <laughs> That's all I see. Oh, wow. And it's so interesting. Wow. So I, I know with Aaron what I can do. I can you know, pick up my phone and I can order something tonight. And, and I, that's how I can support his movement and his mission today or this evening. What can we do now to support your work? That's me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would encourage you visit um, PACA's website. We are at Philadelphia dot co-op, that's C-O-O-P, um, and start learning, right? We have tons of resources to help people understand what the co-op business model is. Um, we have, you know, a listing of um, various co-ops that already exist in the city in case you want to figure out where they are so that you can support them, buy from them, join them. Um, I think that there are our staff, we just um, in May and June, uh, early June, ended a three-part series, uh, educational uh, webinars on mutual aid and the relationship between mutual aid and cooperative economics. And so, you know, sign up for our, our email list so that you can um, learn about more of these educational opportunities that we'll be offering um, in the summer. And... Um, yeah, email me with your questions, <laughs> Jamila at philadelphia.coop. Um, we have a team of folks who are eager and happy um, to talk about cooperation, cooperative economics, and the co-op business model um, with whoever's interested. So I have, um, thank you, Jamila. I have one one final question for Aaron um, as we wrapped up because he he mentioned you mentioned your competitors earlier um, and how they're kind of following you all's lead. And so I wanted to ask you as um, as organizations, large and small, have posted messages and sent emails of solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, one of your competitors. Uh, has gone beyond posting a commitment to waive delivery fees for customers of Black-owned business, uh, Black-owned restaurants in particular. How does that impact your current projected market share, one? And how are you guys guys planning to adapt to that announcement? So honestly, um, you know, 
them making free delivery charges, that's just a money grab for them. Mm-hmm. It's not going to remain that way. It's just it's a, it's a time for them to capitalize off the black dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, at the, I mean, honestly, our goal is to help Black-owned businesses, so that's going to get them to support Black-owned businesses more. It's a win-win either way. I mean, we're not really, we're in competition with them, but we're also in our own lane, and we're doing our own thing. So it's not really going to affect our market share because either way, we're going to have our own mission, our own goals, and they're going to go right back to, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a phase for them right now. They're only doing it because of the times. It's a money grab for them. Um, <laughs> honestly. Honestly, for us right now, we're just focused on getting a new system that way we can, you know, be more competitive in the market mm-hmm. and, you know, have um, a restaurants. Just it's, things can be just more legitimate, um, easier to uh, navigate the app drivers. Um, we have a new driver app coming. So we're just focused on building our infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They've been in business for a long time. You know, we're, we're not really they have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars behind them. We're, we're on our own. Man. We're only you know, we're moving at our own pace and. You know, we do, like I said, the free delivery, that's not, you know, it's, it means something. But I'm, at the end of the day, it's it's just as long as they support the black owned businesses, that's all we care about. So I think that I think that speaks volumes, Aaron, because I know that that was the mission and the intent of Black and Mobile when it started. It was about, as you said earlier, um, calling attention and raising awareness um, and driving customers at the end of the day uh, to black businesses, to black restaurants um, in in general. And I can honestly say I have unearthed a few black owned restaurants that I did not know about um, via black and mobile. Like, you know, I live in West Philly, um, but I can order from West Southwest as well as Center City um, because of the proximity. And so there have been some that I did not know about um, that I have been fortunate enough to to experience their 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 goodies uh, because of because of the app and because of Black and Mobile, so um, you know I'm happy to hear you hear you say that because I think it's important once you understand your mission and you stay true to that um, that only the money will follow, right? Do what you love, and money will follow. That 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 sentiment. Absolutely. I mean, um, just from like from, from if you do order through our app, you know it's six miles from the restaurant right now, but the new app system will allow you to order from farther from like maybe nine miles and we'll have, you know, it'll be calculated uh, per distance. So if things are just going to be a little more different and um, you can probably support from North Philadelphia businesses too, but we have a lot of new signups coming. Um, definitely, you know, I'll launch in Atlanta um, next month. So it's, it's very, we have a lot of exciting moves coming and, um, you know, just stay posted, download our app, check it out. And so Aaron, how did you guys get into Detroit? That's the question I always wanted to ask. So Detroit, um, my brother, he, I guess he, um, Cause I'm not too sure on the back end from his, um, you know, why he chose Detroit, but yeah. I know he had someone um, that was helping us, assisting us with uh, like drivers and just okay. connected the business because they were native from Detroit. Oh, okay. So that kind of was like the incentive to like, you know, we have, you know, we can we can launch in Detroit because we always need that one person who can kind of manage who knows the city a little well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of the one of the reasons, you know. And then we scouted it ourselves. There was um, some popular black-owned businesses, so you know, we thought it was a good move. And, you know, it's, it is a good move. We um, once we get the tablet system, it's just going to help our business be able to. Um, expand and grow so much faster you know we plan to go to LA by the end of this year too so you know we're, we're trying to get the big cities but then um you know we will branch out to New Jersey and Delaware you know the closer places too like Baltimore but we're trying to get some big cities first 
There's some great Black-owned restaurants in Detroit. Been there more than once. Um, there's some great prayer. What is your thinking when we talk about digitally? What about relationships with, with some food trucks? Have you guys thought about that? And We had a food uh, truck, actually. Um, we, okay. had, we were partnering with a food truck. They, you know, they've been out of... Actually, we had a couple of food trucks, but, you know, since the COVID, you know, they yeah. kind of have, you know, shut down a little bit. But, yeah, we, 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 we have par- uh, partnerships with the uh, food trucks. Okay. Trucks. Said black, mobile, and on the move, coming to a city near you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is wonderful. So, uh, Tiara, you've been listening, and she's such a listener. You all should see our meetings with Black Girl, but she's such a listener. Give us what you got. What are you thinking? <laughs> um, I, w- I was actually just about to um, say to Aaron, if you if you need um, anyone to bounce ideas off, my background is in. Um, business strategy and commercialization. So, you know, I, I, it sounds great. You know, I'm, I'm excited about what you all are doing. I've tried to order and unfortunately I'm out of the zone. So it's not <laughs> but, your fault. Um, what, where did you try to order from? Well, I'm, I'm outside. I'm actually outside of Philadelphia right now. So, um, but it's okay. I'm patient. <laughs> as soon as I'm able to order, I'm ordering. <laughs> when, when the new app system comes, um, hopefully you guys will be in the radius. We'll extend our mile radius and you know just be a higher delivery charge. But um, we're definitely trying to get to the outskirts of Philly also. Yes, yes. So, but I mean, I I applaud you. I mean, you know, it's most businesses aren't able to survive and thrive, and I think you guys are well on your way. Um, I know you're a part of um, uh, the. You're a part of the 30, 30 for seventy five. Is that it? 30, <laughs> 36, 36 for seventy five. That's yes. where I'm at right now. Yes, so, right now. I see the background. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think it's awesome, you know, to have that experience. Um, and I'm happy to help in any way that I can. I mean, just listening to you talk about the different ideas that you're um, considering, I. The things that are coming to my mind the most are really business strategy, planning, timing, and financial outcome. And what's the best opportunity for today and growing a life cycle for your products that um, will continue to propel you over time um, and and give you the level of growth that you need and you can handle. Um, And then I'm also just curious about your your funding and are you completely bootstrapping or have you had... um, have you had people approach you in terms of providing funding? Because this is a, a great time uh, to to really seek funding. Yep. So um, from a funding standpoint, we've kind of, um, you know, we've done all of this by ourselves. We've had some, uh, you know, we use Shopify. So, you know, we do get loans and stuff like that, but we haven't really um, got any like loans from anyone else. Um, we did get some grants. We actually want some grants um, for a few thousand dollars, but um, most of it is, you know, just been us moving, every, you know, working every day dispatch and delivering and you know trying to hire drivers but um and just gen- generating sales that's really where a lot of it you know um has been coming from but we did have a um shopify did help us with a loan with that and that got us our up-to-date system that we're about to have and after that honestly we probably won't need any loans we'll probably be able to just you know um just generate sales and, and pay for everything so Aaron, we have a question in the chat box as far as the radius can you break the radius down for us uh, I've seen that question. I just didn't want to uh, get off. Oh. <laughs> the, yeah, so our radius is six miles from the restaurant right now. So you have to be uh, within six miles. But once the new system comes, I think we're going to push it to about nine or ten. And it, it is just gonna, it's just going to calculate the exact fare you should be charged like per mile. 
So that's how it's going to work once we get once we get the new system. But right now it's uh, six miles in Philadelphia, Detroit. It's eight miles. Okay. Oh, we're yeah. actually out of time. We're about to wrap oh, up. Wow. <laughs> we're about to wrap up. <laughs> Jamila, I want to give you the opportunity. Any last thoughts? Um, yeah, yeah just, I, um, I wanted to, um, to, it was lovely to hear from you, Ms. Durham. Um, I'm thinking about you and people like you, particularly um, Black folks who are business, who can support businesses and with your expertise. Our co-ops desperately need more black and brown business consultants working in our communities because there's, we, we, we have this, this challenge and one of the projects that we um, are going through this summer is a co-op developer fellowship mm. where we are looking to invite, well, we just closed the application process, but we're inviting people who have business skills who wanna learn more about the co-op business model so that they can then go and, and, and add that to their repertoire of potential clients or work within their communities to imagine how to support community groups in creating new co-ops. Um, so I just want to invite you to consider learning more and thinking about joining um, our community of practice of um, business professionals who we can turn to um, when we are at capacity. And there's just like some things that we can't do. We're just four people doing this work. And so we're often looking for consultants that we can pay, right, to, to come in and support our, our co-ops. So those opportunities exist as well. Yeah, I'm more than happy to do that. I'm, I'm putting my information in the in the chat box, but we should definitely schedule time and connect. More than happy. Love it. Mm-hmm. Thank you all. Another great show on the books, Tanya. Yet another one. Yet another one. So we um we're going to wrap up. I was asking Tracy if she had any remarks since she uh, was hanging out with us today. Want to see if she had any remarks. Yes, no, maybe. I see you. Mute button. Mute button. It's always like, you know, whenever you're called upon, it's like, where's the mute button? Um, As always, I'm so impressed um, with the work that you're doing and bringing the um, groups of folks together. And it's inspirational. And so from my perspective, as always, my offer to you is how do we help? How do we collaborate? How do we make sure we're amplifying the messages and the great work? that you're doing. So um, we're big supporters. I've, you know, been sending claps and uh, thumbs up uh, throughout the information. I know that doesn't necessarily translate into the podcast, but know that um, without interrupting, I'm incredibly supportive of the work that everyone, um, uh, in particular you, Tanya and Neff, are doing um, to support the community. So thank Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. So... Our next episode of Impact the Live podcast will focus on adaptation. Uh, we'll be recorded on July the 30th. Our guest for that one uh, will be from Rec Philly. That will be Will Tom, one of the founders of Rec Philly, and Dawn Dixon, who is the CEO of Popcom, which is an automated retail company that uses facial recognition, AI, and blockchain technology to help retailers collect valuable customer insights. That's a mouthful, but that's that's Dawn. I'm really excited to have her uh, on the show. 
Wow, what an absolutely incredible episode. I want to thank our guest, Jamila Medley from the Philadelphia Area Cooperative Alliance, as well as Aaron Cabello of Black and Mobile. Listen, be sure to go and download the Black and Mobile app so that you can get your order in with any of our Black-owned restaurants in Philadelphia, as well as in their other areas, Detroit, and soon in Atlanta and hopefully in L.A. So really proud of those brothers. Also want to thank our BGV sisters for coming on, Tierra Durham and Miriam Dessou. Um, just by way of announcement, you can join the ladies of BGV for our Pitch Perfect Summer Series, Power Your One Minute Pitch. That will be Tuesday, July the 14th. This is an online event. You can go to Eventbrite and just enter BGV Pitch perfect summer series to register on behalf of nefertiri strickland and myself i want to thank you for joining us for impact the podcast and remember to check back in with us next month where the theme will be adaptation we'll be talking with will times of rec philly as well as dawn dixon of popcom so thank you again for tuning in we'll talk to you soon Do I have a chance or am I paving ways? I'm trying to find a reason not to say your name Like you, there's no look alive I need a spice girl Ziggy, ziggy, I fuck up my whole world Pause when she talk nothing like old girl Scary and sporty Tell her what I want, what I really, really want Is a spice girl